This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Victim impact. I'm just so emotionally shaken up inside. At Jamie Bacon's sentencing, how family of his innocent victims hope to sway the judge. A shocking development in the death of Jason Botchford. That this drives home the point that this isn't a downtown east side only issue. What really killed the popular hockey commentator. And the comic book find of the century. It's the Super Bowl of my career. A local collection kept in a cupboard for decades. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is away tonight and we are going to get to those stories in a moment. But we want to start with some unsettling news in the COVID-19 pandemic. An all-time one-day record for new infections in B.C. In the past 24 hours, 124 new cases. The previous record of 109 was set just last week. Our total cases now at 5,496. Fortunately, no new deaths, so that total stays at 204. 23 people are in hospital now. That's an increase of one, seven of them in ICU. 4,310 people have recovered. There are 974 active cases now. 2,796 people are self-isolating. Northern Health says a number of people may have been exposed to COVID-19 at recent gatherings in a small rural settlement in northern B.C. The affected area is about 100 kilometers north of Fort St. John in the Presbyterian region. Less than 400 people live in that area, many from a Mennonite community. Northern Health says it's having a difficult time following up with those who have attended a number of gatherings in early August where health guidelines were not followed. And WestJet has announced a strict new policy to prevent the spread of COVID-19 among its passengers, much to the delight of B.C. health officials. Masks will now be mandatory on board all of its flights, and there will be consequences for any passenger who refuses to use a face covering. Sean O'Shea reports. Show up at any airport, this is what you'll see. Since April, employees and passengers wearing face masks. Even if you uh, have the COVID-19, but the people around you wouldn't uh, get the COVID-19. Masks have been mandatory in terminals and on flights. We've had but a handful of people who have not complied with the Transport Canada regulation regarding uh, masks on board the aircraft. And now on WestJet, if you refuse to wear a mask after being asked and warned, what we are saying is that they will be um, banned for travel on WestJet for uh, up to uh, 12 months. Banned or be immediately returned to the gate if the flight hasn't yet taken off. The company says it wants to make all flyers feel safe. We want them to understand that those that aren't willing to participate and, and maintain that collective well-being of everybody uh, won't be welcome on our planes. And that will then in turn give those people the confidence to get flying uh, once again. If for medical reasons you can't wear a mask, you'll now have to prove it. 
they would then require that medical note on letterhead signed and approved by a medical doctor. Anyone over two must wear the mask, though not while eating or drinking. That's the only time you can take a break. We will then ask you to put that mask back on. It's a policy that seems reasonable to many who fly. Sometimes it's hard for you to breathe, but you see if they come first, so we have to wear it. I think it's acceptable. If you don't want to ma wear a mask and keep other people safe, don't fly. Stay at home. And the mask, by comparison, isn't nearly as restrictive as wearing head-to-toe protective coveralls, like this student did on her trip back from Shanghai. She says peace of mind is worth the discomfort. You don't want to spread it to the other people, so it's your responsibility to wear a mask to protect all the passengers on the flight. This thing can get anybody, so when you're in a confined space like that, yeah, it's a good idea. People need to learn. The law and WestJet's ramped up rules require masks starting September 1st. Sean O'Shea, Global News. A shocking and sad reminder tonight that the opioid crisis is just as indiscriminate and far deadlier than COVID. A coroner's report confirms that popular Vancouver hockey writer and commentator Jason Botchford died of an accidental cocaine and fentanyl overdose. Sarah McDonald has details, including his family's reaction. Will start on a line with More than a year since the sudden death of one of the best-known sports journalists in the province. Accomplished and admired for his take on all things hockey. I mean, he changed the game and the way the Vancouver Canucks recovered. We now know Jason Botchford was yet another victim of the poison drug supply crisis, claiming a mounting toll of Canadian lives. A coroner's report released Friday, confirming the 48-year-old died of an accidental overdose in April of 2019. A toxic combination of cocaine cane laced with fentanyl. This drives home the point that this isn't a downtown east side only issue, that Jason was a, a hockey writer, he had a good job, he had a great family, and was so respected in the industry. Botchford is survived by his wife and three children. His family saying in a statement his cause of death left them completely shocked and in disbelief. A feeling all too familiar for too many BC families, like Michelle Janssen's, who lost her son Brandon to addiction in 2016. An opioid addiction doesn't discriminate. It can happen to anyone at all walks of life. People need to understand what the opioid death numbers are doing and how serious this problem is. In the midst of a pandemic, the province is also in the throes of an opioid overdose epidemic, which only continues to accelerate at a devastating pace. My heart and my condolences go out to every family member, every mother, every father, every brother, sister, friend, who has lost somebody. With overdose deaths recorded in the triple digits for the past five consecutive months, in a year that already has claimed more than 900 victims from all walks of life. It is doctors, it's lawyers, it's high-functioning people. People do not understand that. It's a disease just like heart disease, like diabetes and cancer. A stark reality those who knew and loved Botchford say his manner of death drives home. That it's not just happening in back alleys. This can happen to anybody. Though nothing can change the legacy he's left behind. Sarah McDonald, Global News. After nearly 13 agonizing years, the families of the victims of B.C.'s worst gangland massacre are finally getting their day in court. The families of the Surrey 6 victims, which include two innocent bystanders, are giving their impact statements at the sentencing hearing of the man who ordered the gang hit that led to the massacre. Ramina Dea reports. 
Jamie Bacon, now 35, unrecognizable after years in prison. The Red Scorpion leader's initial plan to kill one person, Corey Lau, in a parking lot. But the plan changed. I'm sorry, I'm just so emotionally shaken up inside. Eileen Mohan's 22-year-old son, Christopher, an innocent bystander, shot twice in the face and side of the neck. The other innocent, Ed Schellenberg, shot twice in the head. The victim's families face-to-face with Bacon in courtroom 20, channeling suffocating pain through victim impact statements. My son is known as the victim, and I'm the victim's mother. Jamie Bacon's evil crime stole our natural identity of mother and son. Bacon pleading guilty last month to one count of conspiracy to commit murder in connection to the death of Lal, Bacon's drug rival. Lau plus three of his associates were killed in the 2007 Surrey 6 slayings in a high-rise. Schellenberg was fixing a fireplace in Lal's unit. And across the hall, Mohan was leaving to play basketball. Bacon also pleading guilty to one count of counseling to commit murder in a separate case from 2008. Bacon's been in custody since 2009. Crown and Defense recommending a global sentence of 18 years on both charges. Bacon will get credit for time served. If Justice Kathleen Carr accepts the joint submission, Bacon would receive another five-plus years. The courts should balance the rights between Christopher's non-existence in this world and Mr. Bacon's... um, Um, plea deal. As part of the plea deal, the most serious offense, the first-degree murder charge in connection to Lal, was stayed. Bacon waived his right to address the court. The judge will hand down her sentence on September 11th. Romina Dea, Global News. Controversy has erupted in Victoria tonight over a piece of public art that was sanctioned and funded by the city. The mural was intended to support the Black Lives Matter movement, but as Brad McLeod reports, part of it contains a cryptic message that local police find deeply offensive. It's catching a lot of attention in Bastion Square. Colorful letters asking for more justice, more peace. Each letter relaying lived experiences of the indigenous or biracial person of color who painted it a call out to community to see and hear us and, and to understand what we're going through. The cost, $4,500, paid for by the city's Everyday Creativity Grant. But at least one letter is causing controversy. The S in justice contains the acronym ACAB, widely known as All Cops Are Bad or Bastards. The city's senior cultural planner asked the artist to remove the acronym, but mobilized a city worker to do it anyway. From a, a system of, of hierarchy and, and things that happen top down, this is once again BIPOC folk, BIPOC voices being oppressed. We're not leaving here without the understanding that nothing is going to happen to this mural. 
The artist gathered and stopped the removal. I'm going to do everything I can to keep those letters there. I am not in the realm of, of erasing people's experiences and painting over their, their um, voices. The chief of police caught wind saying the inclusion of ACAB is deeply disrespectful to the women and men of the Victoria Police Department. Excluding one group through harmful words seems counter to the very spirit of the mural itself. City Councilor Charmarque Dubot responding to the chief on Twitter saying, Police are already included, legitimized, and authorized with power and the resources to act on the behalf of the city, state, and community. The artists are addressing systemic exclusion, but unlike the police, the youth don't have the power. It shouldn't be focused on those four letters. It should be focused on why do we have to have those letters there? What do those letters mean? Um, and how can we evolve from this? The city says they are now working with the artists on a resolution. According to those who look after Bastion Square, the mural is supposed to stay for three years. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. More than a year after a Maple Ridge man died in an RCMP-involved shooting, his family says they are still waiting for answers from B.C.'s police watchdog. 54-year-old Jaw Din was fatally shot by RCMP last August. His family called police over concerns that Din, who was schizophrenic, wasn't taking his medication. When officers arrived to take Din to hospital, he allegedly refused to leave, and police say the confrontation escalated. A taser was deployed before police eventually opened fire, killing Din. Police claim Din was armed with a knife. We feel like we are in a nightmare. We can't believe this is happening, really. We want the truth out to the public, what happened to him. Obviously, COVID-19 has impacted us relatively significantly and slowed down some of our processes. However... Um, our investigation is complete. We're in the decision-making uh, phase, and uh, there will be a decision released uh, next month uh, in September on this matter. The Independent Investigations Office says it reviewed all of the evidence to ensure a fair and impartial look into the circumstances that led to Din's death. A spike in criminal activity has a rural caribou community living on edge after months of repeated break-and-enters, many of them believed to be by the same suspect, Residents say enough is enough. And as John Waugh reports, they're demanding tougher penalties for repeat offenders. Heading into the scenic community in BC's Caribou region, you wouldn't know residents of McLeese Lake claim to be under siege. People, families, women, children, everybody's scared. Everybody is scared to leave because when they come home from work, their stuff's going to be missing. Residents rallied outside the Williams Lake Courthouse this week where Patrick Ryan Power appeared facing multiple charges including break and enter, possession of stolen property over $5,000, and breach of undertaking. I don't want this offender back in our community. I want our community safe. That's my demand. While the community is in support of local law enforcement, they say it's the court system that's broken. The RCMP do their job, and of course they go to the court system, and they get a slap on the wrist and they're gone. Residents are appealing to higher levels of government, asking for more action against all prolific offenders. It's broken, it's not working. They got, they've got to uh, start taking things a little more seriously because uh, people are just fed up with it. The concern is if something isn't done soon, some residents might be tempted to take matters into their own hands. That's how frustrated we are. We've, we're at our limit. We're on edge. In the end, Power was found guilty on two counts of possession of stolen property. The judgment, 18 months probation, 
and a $100 fine. The issue is the judges uh, and their decisions that impact on our rural communities. These rallying residents will now look to BC's Attorney General for answers, tired of being under what they call a constant threat of crime in the community of McLeese Lake. John Hua, Global News. Vancouver's troubled Trump Hotel closes for good. While the U.S. president was celebrating on the final night of the RNC, the building with his name on it in Vancouver is bankrupt. Where that leaves so many of the residents in just over a minute. Momentum in the movement for racial justice. The March on Washington coming up later on the news hour. And a trunk full of treasures unlike anything this comic book expert has ever seen. That's later as well. But first, as we told you on last night's news hour, Vancouver's troubled Trump Hotel has hosted its final guests. The operator filed for bankruptcy on the same day the U.S. president was delivering his pitch for another four years. Jordan Armstrong has more on the Trump Tower's brief and controversial history in Vancouver. June 2013, the only time the Donald ever appeared at an event associated with the tower bearing his name in Vancouver. I'm probably a much nicer person than people would think. I'm actually a nice person. I really pride myself on that. Back then, he was known as the billionaire developer and game show host. You're fired. Fast forward to February 2017, and Trump was a polarizing president, and the Vancouver grand opening was marred by protests. Love Trump's hate! Love Trump's hate! The deal had been done. They were not in a position to, to change the branding. Architect and real estate consultant Michael Geller isn't shedding a tear at the loss of Trump Hotel. I suspect many people watching tonight's news will say, I never stepped foot inside that hotel because his name was on the front door. It is bad news for the hotel's staff, who were told Thursday their jobs are gone. Donald Trump doesn't run the hotel. The building's owner pays his company to license the Trump name. In bankruptcy documents, TA Hotel Management Limited lists $1.1 million in assets and nearly $4.8 million in liabilities. Neither TA nor the bankruptcy trustee is talking. Keep in mind, most of the tower is condos. I think many of the people in the building will see that this bankruptcy as adding to the value of the building. Others will see it um, as reducing the value. The property has an unlucky history. Way back in 2007, a contract was signed for the tower to include a Ritz-Carlton hotel. A decade later, it opened under the Trump name. Now Trump has checked out, but Geller predicts it won't be long before a new brand checks in. I think third time lucky, whoever takes over. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Burnaby fire crews battled a suspicious fire this morning, displacing several residents. It started in a parkade along Maywood Street between McKay and Silver Avenues. The parkade is separated from the building itself. And by the time the fire was put out by firefighters, up to 10 cars were lost, along with two power poles. The occupants of as many as six units have been displaced and part of the building was damaged. The cause is now under investigation and officials are not ruling out arson. We have two power poles that are compromised and both burning internally and we're waiting on hydro to shut that power down. And, uh, and the back of two of the buildings are extremely damaged. So I believe there's eight to ten suites with damage and probably those people will be displaced for the short term at least. 
And three people have been hospitalized after what's being called a suspicious fire that tore through a North Surrey home. All three victims are in stable condition. More than 20 firefighters responded to the home in the 13,000 block of 112A Avenue just after 10 o'clock this morning. The home was badly damaged and both Surrey RCMP and Surrey Fire Service have launched investigations. Three others in the home managed to escape without injury. Up ahead, a different way to look at Okanagan Lake. A lot of it's based on very old uh, information. Why some say the way this crucial body of water is managed needs a major overhaul. But first, residents thank wildfire crews that saved their homes in a way that's pretty hard to miss. High above Highway 1 in Langley, eastbound, just east of uh, 264, things start really getting heavy towards Abbotsford but due to an earlier crash at Mount Lehman. Westbound also heavy from about Bradner to 248. Now the crash is clear, but that volume is still left over. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and the real Canadian superstores throughout BC. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com, open every day. High above Highway 1 in Langley, I'm Tim Main. Firefighters who are mopping up the Christie Mountain wildfire south of Penticton got a surprise thank you today from the residents whose homes they saved. A handful of residents of the Heritage Hill neighborhood were forced to evacuate until the danger passed, but they banded together last night to lay down this giant hillside thank you. Using plastic tablecloths, they worked by flashlight at dusk on Thursday so the firefighters would see it first thing in the morning. While more than 300 properties were evacuated at the height of the fire, only one home was lost. The fire is now classified as held, and the B.C. Wildfire Service says it's not expected to spread any further. The fire has scorched more than 2,000 hectares, about 20 square kilometers, but all evacuees have now been allowed to return home. In the summer months, it's a boating mecca, but Okanagan Lake is so much more than that, supporting the people, the agriculture, and the economy of the entire region. Now, as Jules Knox shows us, full pool isn't what it used to be. And some say it's way past time to update how the lake is managed and maintained. Vernon resident Steve Goss has questions about Okanagan lake levels and is concerned about the wide fluctuations on the shoreline. The guy next door, he, he lost his boat. He didn't lose it completely. It just went right off his lift because of the high water in June. And there are similar problems down in Peachland. When the lake water levels came up really high, they washed away a lot of infrastructure. That has Peachland's Mayor Cindy Fortin calling for the province to re-examine the metrics used to calculate lake levels. We were a little surprised to find out that a lot of it's based on very old uh, information. It's really based on a report called the Basin Report that the federal and provincial governments did back in the mid-70s. That information has been refined over time, but Forden also points out that the climate and other environmental factors have changed significantly in the last few years. We have heavier snow pillows and we have uh, quicker melts and we have more rain. Plus, there's been a lot of forestry, like in particular up in our watersheds. So Peachland is hoping the Regional District and Okanagan Basin Water Board will help lobby the province, pushing for it to reevaluate its flow management models and practices. They know that they need to do it. There's been a number of studies that came out after 2017 that talked about 
what had to happen on the Okanagan Lake system. Uh, I think that they're very well-meaning and they want to do the right thing, and I think that we can push them to do it faster. The province says it is open to discussing updating its models, but that it is a complex issue and the impacts to drought and fisheries management would need to be looked at. It also says that any changes to the lake level targets would need to be made in consultation with First Nations, local and federal governments. Jules Knox, Global News. Up next, the March on Washington. The call for racial justice takes center stage, hoping U.S. politicians will take notice. And a secret stash of rare comic books and how it finally came to light. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Man Bridge, Highway 1 eastbound at the east end. They had uh, earlier had a car that lost a tire there. Looks like that's clear. Things moving east and westbound now. But if you're going into Surrey, watch out at 104th Avenue and 140th Street. Reports of a crash in, uh, affecting all directions there. From help on the road to protecting your home and car, BCAA's local experts are here for your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. High above Highway 1 and Global 1, I'm Tim Maine. With protests rekindling across the United States, thousands gathered on the National Mall today to demand racial justice 57 years after the original March on Washington, led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And this year's march particularly impactful for those speaking out about the recent death of George Floyd in Minnesota and the police-involved shooting of Jacob Blake in Washington. We'll have much more coverage Uh, throughout the day and over the weekend of that as well. A statue of Diana, Princess of Wales, will be unveiled in London next year. A joint statement today from her sons, Princes William and Harry, reveal the statue will be installed in the sunken garden at Kensington Palace on July 1st on what would have been her 60th birthday. The statue had been commissioned to mark the 20th anniversary of her death. Diana and her partner, Dodi Al-Fayed, were killed in a car crash in Paris in 1997. The princes say that they hope the statue will help all those who visit Kensington Palace reflect on their mother's life and legacy. Some breaking news now for you and a new COVID-19 alert stemming from a controversial public gathering in Vancouver earlier this month. This video posted on Twitter in mid-August of hundreds of people on Wreck Beach during a drum circle generated widespread outrage and condemnation for the people ignoring COVID protocols. Now, Vancouver Coastal Health is warning people who visited the beach on August 15th 
that they might have been exposed to COVID-19 and they should monitor themselves for any symptoms. Up ahead, a comic book treasure trove. I've seen a lot of nice comics in my years. I've never seen that quantity. How the collection finally came to light after decades in the dark. And don't forget it's Friday and we've got satellite debris. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Just before we get to the weather forecast, we'll take you back to the March on Washington, emulating an important moment in U.S. race relations decades ago that takes on new urgency today. On the anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s most famous speech, I have a dream. His son and namesake standing in his place at the Lincoln Memorial, still demanding change. The progress we celebrated then is imperiled yet again. And now we must march to the ballot box. Dr. King's only granddaughter carrying his legacy. We will fulfill my grandfather's dream. A new generation watching on, some trying to keep their distance because of pandemic fears. The King family joined by those who've lost loved ones at the hands of police. George Floyd's sister overcome with emotion as the crowd chanted his name. Today's event taking on fresh urgency after the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. While the circumstances are still under investigation, Blake is now paralyzed. His father marching here in Washington. Every black person in the United States is going to stand up. We're tired. The crowd here is a mix of ages, races, and backgrounds, moved by this moment, and for some, remembering how it felt to be here 57 years ago. This is a continuation of what began but is not finished. Until we win this fight, I'll continue to fight for the rest of my life. Amid growing demands for police reform, a broader mission to end systemic racism. It's demoralizing. It makes you feel less of a person. Urgent calls for equality echoing once again over the National Mall and the nation. And we'll check in now with Yvonne for a look at the weather as we head into the weekend. Looks beautiful in behind you right now, Yvonne. Yeah, and it was another hot day, especially for the interior. Pleasant for most areas along the south coast. Temperatures into the low 20s, but with the humid X today, was feeling closer to 27 and 28. There's the beautiful shot overlooking the North Shore Mountains. Highs along the coast were into the low 20s, but inland it was up to 30 degrees. And there is a change on the way, a bit of a reprieve, especially for the southern interior. First off, overnight tonight, we are looking at dry conditions. There is more cloud cover building in. It'll be cool once again down to 13 degrees. We do have a slight chance for an isolated shower tomorrow morning and then a clearing is on the way and temperatures will still climb back up to 20 degrees. Bit of instability this evening for the northeastern corners with a few isolated thunderstorms. Showers across the central interior and just clipping this, uh, this uh, Columbia region. But we are looking at another round of rain that's going to move in along the northern half of the province. Tomorrow morning so cloud cover for all areas for the southern half of the province and then the next 
next wave of rain is going to be heavy at times by tomorrow evening and continuing for Sunday along the north coast. Here's a quick glance at the winds that are going to pick up with the passage of this frontal system. For the south coast, 20, a few areas closer to the water, could get up to 50 kilometers per hour. It'll be a northwesterly wind for tomorrow, so a heads up if you are by the water. Along the northern half of the province, so the heavier rain moving in towards the evening, much of the central interior tomorrow, instability with the risk of thunderstorms, and that pushes in towards the Columbia. South of it, however, a drop in temperatures into the low 20s. There's cloud cover, a clearing, brightening up towards the afternoon, and a very similar weather picture across the south coast. Could see that isolated shower clearing towards the afternoon. We are looking at some rain, and that's going to move in as we get in towards our Sunday night and then clearing out quite quickly for our Monday. All right, tonight's central windows, weather window, a beautiful shot that was taken by Adeline at Lightning Lake. Chris? That, that is a beautiful mirror shot there, isn't it? Twice as beautiful. All right, uh, let's talk about those comics. A local comic book expert is sharing the story behind a previously unknown collection that dates back nearly 80 years. It was started in 1944 by a Vancouver man, and as Linda Aylesworth shows us, the vast assortment of near-perfect condition comics has a history almost as wild as the tales they depict. Comic books were one of the top forms of entertainment for children in the 30s and 40s. They were fun, and they were a good value for your nickel or dime. Comics were easy to trade back and forth between the kids, so if you read a comic, you could also trade it and read somebody else, so buying one comic could get you ten reads. That's why so few Golden Age comics survive today. But 20 years ago, comic aficionado Patrick Shaughnessy was given the chance to check out a recently discovered collection. The first clue that it was probably going to be a better-than-average collection was it was collected by an adult. When the seller, the son-in-law of the deceased collector, showed up in the alley behind Shaughnessy's Vancouver comic book store and opened the trunk... I've seen a lot of nice comics in my years. I've never seen that quantity of nice comics, and certainly not in raw form. The original collector had purchased the comics from newsstands in his Vancouver Chinatown neighborhood, not just for amusement, but to help improve his language skills. It wasn't until his widow passed away that the family discovered them. They were in a cupboard on the way to the basement, so they're in a cool, dry place, which is very ideal. That explains why so many of the comics recently returned from being professionally graded with exceptionally high marks. This one's white pages, and it's a 9.8. That's a 10-point scale. Um, and it's just, it's brilliant. The only thing keeping it from a perfect score, this tiny imperfection. With a grade of 8, this Captain America issue isn't as pristine, but it's far more valuable. But it's one of the two books that were produced during the, 19, uh, during the Second World War um, that depict a Holocaust scene on the cover. They made it a very horrific cover, which wasn't unusual at the time. A lesser grade copy of this one sold for $23,000. As much as Shaughnessy appreciates the comics in his Chinatown collection, as it's called, he'll be selling them individually to other connoisseurs of the craft. It's the Super Bowl of my career. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The Super Bowl where he, <laughs> he scores about 10 touchdowns is what it looks like yeah. in there as well. Amazing story. Did you collect comics, Yvonne or, or Squire? I got none, but I want to search for some. Squire? <laughs> I wish I had. I had a friend of mine who did, and I just, I mean, what, you never think of it. It's like with hockey cards. Mm -hmm. You would throw them against the wall. Right. 
Hey, it's you Gretzky's don't... rookie card. Let's chuck it against the wall. There it goes, 50 grand. And chew the gum. Yeah, that <laughs> gum is always terrible. Uh, if a jockey falls off during a horse race and the horse is running loose, it's the outriders that have to come to the rescue. Those are the situations where you cannot fail. What it takes to catch a horse, not just safely, but at high speed as well. Well, also coming up, the great escape we call satellite debris. Squire Barnes. Burnaby Hospital has been serving our community for nearly 70 years, but it's time for an upgrade. Support their transformation to a world-class facility to meet growing health care needs for generations to come. Proudly supported by Global BC. All right, let's check in with Squire for sports. A uh, bit of a lull in uh, sports leagues right now, but you're I know. staying busy. We would have uh, had some hockey and basketball, but we'll get it on the weekend. In fact, after postponing their uh, game yesterday in the protest of the shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin, the Canucks and the Golden Knights will play back-to-back games this weekend. So here is the schedule, not just for the Canucks in Vegas, but for all the teams in the NHL uh, this weekend. So Saturday, you see the Canucks in Vegas at 645. That'll be game three, and there are the other two games as well. And uh, let's see, Sunday? What about Sunday? The Canucks in Vegas will uh, face off at 7.30 at night. So by the time Sunday's over, we'll have four games into that series. All right. Second round BMW championship from Chicago. McElroy getting off to the Rory McElroy. This is for birdie. Tied for the lead at that point at one under with Patrick Cantlay. He is tied for the lead. Mackenzie Hughes. Bending in the birdie here at nine. Exactly where he wants to putt from. Was here. leading, but then fell oh, back to plus two. He's tied for tenth. Needs Second to finish in the top five to advance to the next tournament in the Green. FedEx playoffs. Tiger Woods not having fun <laughs> at all. Tiger Woods now. Oh, come on. I don't know that you could hit Double bogey there. He is way well, back at plus eight. Scoreboard, please. There we are. So uh, Rory McIlroy actually is now in the lead by himself at uh, minus one. There you see Mackenzie Hughes. And the rest of the Canadians and Tiger is well back. To tennis, which we haven't seen in a while. Milos Ronic and Stefano Tsitsipas. Semifinals of the Western and Southern Open being played in New York City. Ronic, a huge inside-out forehand winner. First set goes to him, 7-6. Second set. Ronich is healthy. He can play this game at a high level. In fact, he moves on to the finals with a 7-6-6-3 win, and he'll meet Novak Djokovic in the finals. He is 0-10 career against Djokovic. Cindy and Darcy Barabee are a married couple who work together in one of the most challenging and dangerous jobs you can have in professional sports, and that is being the outriders at Hastings Park. To the untrained eye, the outrider, that's one of them right there, is the one who leads the parade of horses before every race. But there's a lot more to the job than just that. A lot of people say we're like the cops of the racetrack, traffic cops, but really we're more like lifeguards. 
you know, we're lifeguards and troubleshooters. And the big trouble is when a horse throws its rider. And then the chase is on. Some horses are like, woohoo, I'm free. And they, that, those are the kind that are hard to catch. <laughs> Some are scared and they don't want to be loose. They're like, please save me. Every horse is different. You have to be able to read horses like at a, at a distance and then close up. You also have to be a great rider in order to reach out and grab the reins of another horse going full speed. Sometimes they're running the wrong way into a race. We have to catch that horse. There's no, you can't do it this time, don't worry about it, we have to. But a good outrider also needs a good horse to help them. If you don't have a good horse, you might as well just stay in the barn. When you're looking and you're grabbing that rein, you have to trust your horse to for that split second. That's, that's what you need in a horse, one that can do the job without you telling it to. But like any athletes, and these outriders are athletes, just because you're a veteran doesn't mean you'll avoid injuries. I probably broke both knees twice. Uh, the latest one was I broke my wrist. Dislocated shoulders multiple times, posterior dislocation. Uh, one time I was kicked in the face by a racehorse. Which leads to the question, why do it? It's, a, it's amazingly fun. Uh, I'm lucky in that none of it ever scares me. Like, I, it, I just don't. Uh, and so it is just so much fun. Except for the part about being kicked in the face by a racehorse. That probably wasn't so much fun. He still calls it amazingly fun, though. Uh, they that's love it, and they can do the job, that's for sure. Great skill. All right, thanks for that, Squire. Here's Andrew now with a preview of Global News at 11. And Thanks, Chris. Lightning is believed to be the cause of a new wildfire that's burning in the East Kootenai. The Booth Creek Fire was first spotted this afternoon about five kilometers northwest of Cranbrook. There are homes in the area, but the BC Wildfire Service says no structures are currently threatened. Right now, the fire is one hectare in size. We'll be watching this fire when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris. All right, look forward to that. Thank you very much, Anne. And we'll be back with Satellite Debris next. We're back uh, for Satellite Debris. Squire Barnes knowingly or maybe unwittingly came up with the perfect Friday theme. Well, I mean, debris. they're all beer commercials. Like I say, it's perfect. You know, it may make you thirsty at the end of all of this. Uh, <laughs> the first two are actually from Heineken. And we will actually, okay, this first one, it's not just beer that you like, Chris Galis. It's also rugby. So I have combined these two loves of yours. It's magical. There you go.
Love it. Okay, so Heineken again, this time a, um, a COVID-19 inspired ad. Here we go. The hot shakes, the high five, the fist bumps, the flirt eyes, the team breaks, dub greetings, thumb wrestling, chick pinching, high kisses, bite kisses, air kisses, French kisses, back slaps, the love taps, the happy claps, the hugging. The piggybacks, the holding, the bear hugs, the strolling, the squeezing, the hand in hand, the eye to eye, holding closely, the hugging goodbye. With a million ways of being together, now it's staying apart that brings us closer than ever. Good to see you. That's a good one. It's kind of like what we're doing right now. Basically, yes. A little bit. Uh, and this, uh, so we go from social distancing to escaping in this Carlsberg commercial. your stay most refreshing that calls for a Carlsberg and for old movie buff The Great Escape starring Steve McQueen car buffs too because he was a he was a real car buff well, he was as well wasn't he, he? Was, yeah yes. and some great great old movies Bullet uh, The Car Chase and Bullet that's right now Yvonne you're going to have to look I'm going to have to go watch it yeah Great Escape for sure and Bullet <laughs> Uh, okay, last word on weather before we go from you. We are going to see some cloud cover tomorrow morning, maybe an isolated shower, and then rain moving in on Sunday. But we've got a nice break in the weekend where we'll have dry conditions and then clearing out as we get into early next week and warming up again, too. All right, watch for the kid who is walking 75 kilometers for the CKNW Kids Fund this weekend. I'm going to join him for at least part of it, and that'll be happening this weekend. But uh, I'll tweet out more about that. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend.